Hi, everyone, and thanks for tuning in to Creative Block. I am your host, V, and I'm going to interview Jean Goldstein. That's me. For the first part of the pilot episode. Yeah. The second part will be Jean interviewing me because Jean is my co-host. Yeah. So the idea behind the channel is to interview artists uh, working in the animation industry who are maybe a little bit less often in the spotlight. So my idea was to interview people that are working in TV. And since Jean and I have a bunch of friends all around the industry, I thought it would be pretty neat to interview like storyboard artists and background designers and character designers, like everyone. <laughs> basically. Yeah, whatever we can find. Exactly. No, I think we're just going to, yeah, this first episode is sort of a trial run, but we're also um, wanting to introduce ourselves so people know who we are and what we're all about. Should be fun. Oh, yeah. And a fun part of the podcast channel is that we ask people on Twitter for prompts. So we got a bunch of prompts yes. ready on the Jamboard because we're using Google Jamboard to doodle while we talk. And you can find all the prompts that are given to us and all the usernames. Let's do it. Let's do it. So, Gene, mm -hmm. I met you, I think it was 2016 for the first time when I started storyboarding on the Loud House in LA. I started storyboarding for the Loud House freelance. So at the time you were already on the show, but I hadn't met you. Yeah, yeah. Well, I was, I was aware of who you were just from your Tumblr fame. Yeah, you were just this mysterious French girl that was living in Tokyo that was working on the Loud House. <laughs> That's what I was doing at the time. I'm trying to remember how to draw chainsaw man and I don't and I don't think I'm doing it but here we go I'm trying to draw Denji but I feel like my computer is like yeah we we met on Loud House I I was I got that job back in like 2015 it was like February 2015 that was my first animation job before that I was working in like mobile games I was doing just like flash shorts when I was like uh Teenager, I used to do a series called Hyperboy that was uh, relatively popular. You say teenager, like how old were you exactly? I started, so I did a comic, uh, I did a webcomic. That was my first ever webcomic back when I was like 12, I think. I think I was in eighth grade, um, but I was just uh, driven to create. And <laughs> so um, I made this webcomic that was just about a character named Gene and his friends, and they were all named after my friends. And he was a superhero. And his name was Hyperboy. But uh, when I got into high school, I, I, well, first of all, I watched Fooly Cooly, which was huge. And I can talk about that later. That was a huge influence on me. And um, I was like, I got to do animation. Like there was, um, that, that show in particular just really got me wanting to like actually try animating. And I got a copy of Flash and uh, I messed around with some, some other stuff. And then I eventually just decided to try doing Hyperboy as a Flash series. Um, to kind of put it in a timeline, how old do you think you were when you saw Fully Cooly for the first time? I know I was, it was like the summer of eighth grade. So I was probably 13 or 12, something like that. I don't remember. Um, so you basically saw Fully Cooly and like almost right after uh, that, that later you started Genesis, Genesis and they just, it was like what a comic I was doing beforehand. I was just doing that and they allowed, they gave you free I hosting. found a website called, uh, just crazy. Um, space. and, uh, so uh, I learned HTML and made a really shitty website. Just, it was like a portal for amateur web comics and they allowed, they gave you free hosting 
which is crazy. So I learned HTML and made a really shitty website. It's still up. It's still, it's, I think it's hyperboy.comicgenesis.com. It's still up. You can see my first ever website and first ever comic. Yeah, but I was doing that through most of eighth grade. And then, yeah, after kind of getting uh, into Fully Cooly and just learning a bit more about animation, I was doing other Flash. I was trying to do uh, various Flash shorts before I went on to do Hyperboy, but, um, but that was the one that I got really excited about and I ended up doing four in high school. And then uh, I kept chipping away at one through my, er my first couple of years at college, and that was episode five. And I'm still really proud of that. I think that came out really well. And um, that was the longest thing I've ever put out. It was like six minutes long. And uh, it was really cool. And then I took a kind of a hiatus. I was doing a lot of freelance. I was doing um, like e-cards for a while. Oh, yeah? Uh, yeah, I did. Uh, it was, they would pay me like 500 bucks per e-card at first. Um, and That's I, pretty good. It's not bad, but it was like um, two, they would, it would be like every two weeks or so, they would give me a new one. And it actually was nice because it made me really fast at, at like animating and going sort of uh, from prompt to finished product really fast, you know, because it was like they would send me just an audio file of like it was some corny shit. It was like <laughs> uh, it was like a birthday card. And it's like, whoa, hey there, son. It's your birthday. Blah, blah, blah. And I would have to I was like, what am I going to do with this? And so I got really good at just like incrementing fast and like uh, animating fast and uh, that helped me later on but I did that for almost two years uh, out of school I was just doing e-cards and living with my parents uh, doing other small projects I was doing pitch bibles so I mean I was staying busy but just then, to kind of uh, like, um, once again put things onto a timeline so you're that was when you were out of high school or did you go to college for anything art related? Oh yeah. So no, that was in college. I went to a local art institute in Schaumburg, Illinois, and it was like two floors of this big corporate building that had like lawyers and shit in it. Um, <laughs> so we, we, all of our kids stood out like a sore thumb in that building, but um, all those uh, smelly artist kids, but we, uh, I met a bunch of really good friends there. The school itself didn't really teach me anything. It was not, it was one of those, you know, for-profit colleges that like, they were obsessed with just getting job placement, didn't matter what that was. And so people would just like land on these really shitty jobs after college and like, well, you got a job, so you're good. And so there was no like, <laughs> there was no ambition. I feel like a lot of the people there just didn't have the same ambition that I did. But the friends that I made did. And I surrounded myself with people who really wanted to like make cool stuff and pursue you know, art as a career. And I'm still friends with those people. I still talk to them almost every day. And like one of my closest friends, Greg, I met him on orientation and he's still a huge part of what Planet Panic is. Like he's helped me write it for many years. Yeah. And so college was, I, I think like it was for a lot of people, it's, it wasn't, it wasn't a way for me to like learn my craft. It was just gave me the time to learn the structure and to work on my right. own stuff, you know, but like I had to unlearn a lot of things. They, the, there were some amazing professors there that I still keep up with, but there were also some real garbage ones who would like teach <laughs> flash the wrong way, or they were really obsessed with like 3d animation. Like a lot, there was a lot of 3d classes cause that's what's selling, huh? That's how you're going to get a job. And right. I got to a point like two years in where I was just like, I would go up to my professors and I'd be like, Hey, I don't want to do this for a living. I'm just going to spend this semester animating my own thing. And I promise you it'll look great. <laughs> and they're like, all right. 
And so like, I would just, and then I like turned in Hyperboy at the end of that, you know, or whatever. And so they were like, all right, you get an A. And that was all I needed to do. How long did you, um, um, how long did you spend in college and how long did Hyperboy take you as a project in college? Like I was working on it on and off. Um, cause I started it. I forgot that he had a chainsaw on his head, which is probably the most important part. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, for, I forgot, I forgot that, uh, I haven't read it in a while. I started probably late high school. I remember there was like a couple of scenes that I started when I was a senior, but then I got lazy and, you know, it was just life got in the way. I started college and so I put it on the back burner. And then at a certain point I got back into it, but it probably took two years altogether. And there was a stretch of time where I was really grinding on it. Like I was working on it during classes, in between classes. I was lucky enough to have a job working in the equipment cage at school. So like I never really left that building. I was there for like 12 hours a day almost. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, I would get there in the morning for classes and then like hang out with my friends. We all worked in the same equipment cage. And so we were always just hanging out and doing stuff. And even when I was at work, I would just be at a desk, you know, um, running out cameras or whatever, cam- equipment or cameras in between people walking up. I just had a laptop and I was just with a tablet working, just grinding. Um, <laughs> and so, uh, yeah, so that's how I did Hyperboy. And then uh, that... that release was pretty good and uh, that had a lot of uh, attention on it and that felt that felt nice Uh, and then uh, mostly on youtube or new grounds what was like the platform for you to release hyperboy it was new grounds new grounds was the shit still at the time and i don't i think i put it out on youtube but honestly youtube wasn't really that bumping it was like 2000 2009 i think maybe that that came out and um it was still just like funny videos you know it was like stupid right. videos that was what youtube was at the time like smosh um and uh whatever else it wasn't as corporate as it is now but uh so i did put it up there but i don't think it's it ever really took off on there newgrounds it did fantastic though um and i still have a lot of love for newgrounds they they really help uh tom fulp and um that whole website they really like uh gave a platform for a lot of animators to you know try things and um get feedback and it was cool if it, it was nice and i i wish that i was still uh bumping but um i think youtube has really hurt that like flash animation bubble yeah i feel like flash animation also just suffered from like the software flash is kind of like tricky yeah i'm going to i'm going to erase this um i think that um yeah i was actually reading an article about it recently that like Flash was so good for uh, video games, especially. It was talking about Flash video games and how like huge of a of a bubble that was, um, and it, it was like a really well put together website. I forgot the name. I'm sorry, but uh, it was like <laughs> a long list of every Flash game that ever came out, and it was like showing the biggest the biggest circles were the games that were played the most, and it was like hundreds of millions of times. You know, like it was, and uh, and Adobe just never kept kept up with with Flash, and when iPhone started phasing it out um they never kept up and so now it's just it's set to die in like december pretty much across all browsers and that makes me so sad because a lot of stuff is gonna just not work anymore not even that hyperboy website like the menu that i made was in flash and so that website will be janky um a lot of flash games that probably just aren't gonna bother updating html5 or whatever are gonna be unplayable and it's just like it just sucks it's like this whole era this whole medium that's just gonna disappear because adobe's yeah. head is up their ass and they don't know what they're doing i fucking hate adobe dude like i <laughs> i they they just 
seem to not they seem to I'm gonna go off. They seem to really just not give a shit about the people who use their software the most and they constantly like change things arbitrarily. Just like I try I've been trying to um relearn animate i guess because they've moved around so many things just for no reason even like just the new layer button they moved it for no reason or the, now it's like when you uh, hold shift you have to hold shift to not scale something proportionately and it's just like dude i've been doing this pipe like i've had this workflow for like 20 years almost and you're suddenly gonna change it on me like it's just it's just asinine um, yeah, I feel anyway. like, yeah, like Flash was doomed from the beginning because it was meant for um, web design. And then very soon it yeah. evolved into this because Adobe bought it from Macromedia and that's when everything started just falling apart yeah. because Macromedia was for websites and then Adobe made it for like animation and then no one really knew what to do with the software anymore. Yeah, it's like, it's crazy. It's like the end of an era. No, it sucks. Yeah, it's like, it's built, it's not built for animation and they've tried to like retrofit it to animation and uh, it's a mess. And I've been trying to, I just, uh, as of this recording, I just announced that I'm going to do this webcomic. Um, and I was trying to do it in animate. I was trying to like just uh, experiment and man, I just hate it. And like, there's something about it that's just bad. And so I, I dug out a copy of CS6 uh, and it feels like coming home again. Yeah, so, uh, I, so I finished college and uh, I was just kind of, I spent two years just kind of working from home and trying to figure out my next move and uh, going to conventions and stuff. Like I went to San Diego Comic Con every year for like, God, like six years in a row or something. And uh, just making connections, going to parties, trying to, figure out any way I could to get in the, the animation industry. And then I actually got a job offer in Seattle to do animation at a mobile game studio from a friend of mine that I met at Comic-Con. They moved me out there and I lived there for like four months. I was the only artist in this tiny little, it was like a satellite studio for a San Francisco based studio. So it was me in a room with no windows with like two programmers and two producers. <laughs> it was kind of miserable time, but it got me out of the house and I was out on my own. Uh, I think I was like 22 or 23 or something. And, um, and then four months in, they shut that studio down. They moved me down to San Francisco. I worked there for two years and that was a great job. I really liked that job. I was just working on mobile games, doing flash animation. Near the end of that, I got kind of burnt out and like I kept trying to pitch and I kept trying to get connections in the industry from, uh, at least I was in California. Like I saw it that way. I was like, I'm so close to LA, I can taste it. And it's really funny cause I used to th like think of LA as like this destination and I like dreamed of getting there. And now I'm like five years in and I hate the city and I kind of <laughs> want to move out. But, but it's, it was like, it was like stepping stones, you know, I was trying to get to where I wanted to be. Very long story short. I mean, it's, it's a lot of life experiences all compressed in that those like two, three years. But uh, eventually I did move to LA. Uh, at the end of that job, that last job, I started doing my Planet Panic webcomic and caught the attention of somebody who's working at Nickelodeon, a guy by the name of Phil Rinda. He's kind of a legend. Um, and yeah, he worked on Adventure Time. Worked on a lot of stuff, yeah. Yeah, all um, the other previous Cartoon Network shows. Yeah, he's a, he's a really great guy. He took an interest in me and he asked me to pitch the my comic as a short at uh, Comic-Con. They were doing like an outsider pitch thing. 
and it didn't get picked up. And then I kept pitching it. And then that was when I decided to, I was lucky enough to be working from home at that time. I was working on the Simpsons iPad game mm. for like nine, nine months. I was like, I asked my girlfriend, I was like, let's just move to LA and see what happens. And, uh, it was scary because I didn't have anything lined up and that job was going to be ending um, in like February. But I managed, I kept hustling. I, I kept, you know, bugging Phil. And eventually I met uh, his wife, Amanda. And Amanda was the art director on Loud House. And um, I, they were living really close to us when we were still living in Valencia. And I just kept bugging them. I was like, let's get dinner. Let's get dinner. Let's hang out. And so I got dinner with him and Amanda. And uh, I talked about like, we were just, you know, chatting, whatever. But I mentioned how I did this like video game uh, music project called Gumboozle with a friend of mine, and I showed it to them afterward, and they were like, "Oh my god, this is, this is so cool!" Not long after that, like they needed a background designer on Loud House, and Amanda reached out to me, and uh, I did a test and got the job. What's funny is that later I like asked her, I was like, well, like, why did you uh, think of me? She's like, you know what? She's like, because you were talking so passionately about your like video game music project. She's like, I wanted to work with the guy that puts that much effort into everything that he does. It's actually a great uh, anecdote because yeah. that shows that like people really respond to drive and passion. Absolutely. Well, that was the thing. I always say that anecdote, and she always repeats it too. She like when she do, uh, does like um, talks, you know, she always mentions that because it's like, don't wait to have an audience or don't wait for permission to do the stuff you want to make and also just like do whatever you think will be cool because you never know what stuff will give you those jobs or those opportunities you know that's something somebody told me that in college too like my career advisor she was like never turn down an opportunity because you don't know um where that will lead and that's never been true like it's always been true for me because even the job that I had in Seattle, it like wasn't at all what I wanted to do. Really, it wasn't. It wasn't TV animation. It was like mobile game studio. Um, but it's. I just kept pushing, and I managed to work my way to LA, and you know, to a job I I wanted. And if I were to ask you for a quick recap in terms of like timeline, so you would say you got in college around like age what eighteen? Yeah, yeah, I was eighteen. And then how long did you spend in college? It was like, actually only three years because I did summer mm -hmm. classes. So I had graduated before I was 21, which is crazy. Oh, wow. That's great. And so then you could, how long between the moment you graduated and you got that first gig at a studio? like the Two years. Gig? Two years, just about. Um, so two years um, before you got the gig at the video game studio. Yes, yes. Nice. And that was like... Yeah, I think that was maybe like March of 2012, I think I want to say, something like that. And when you were talking about the greeting cards, were you making those when you were in college but, or also as a freelancer during those two years? Uh, yeah, actually, I started when I was still in school and uh, that was just helping me make some money and, you know, pay for classes, whatever. But and then after I graduated, it became basically my full time job. And so uh and, and then and then you landed the gig uh, in Seattle, and then you went to San Francisco. Well, that's actually pretty great. I, I think it's like really interesting to hear about these years because I feel like those are the years nobody really talks about. Yeah. And I feel like those are the scariest years, and that's kind of when a lot of people kind of like drop out of the um, 
kind of like hunt uh, yeah, yeah. The, the job hunt because it's definitely it's scary because you're like okay like I majored in in this field and I, I don't really like I, I don't see it coming like it's I've been at it for for years and years and is this really the right path so I think it's really great to hear that story because it's inspiring to see that like you you were just really for those full two years like still at it and like doing all your personal projects and like yeah. even though you already had Hyperboy that was doing well on new grounds it was still like you still had to keep the grind going and like the you hustle. gotta keep the grind going well i've never i've i kind of feel happiest when i'm making something and i've, I've i have this ambition or drive i don't know but like i really just want to have a show someday and like until i get there i i don't feel like i can really stop and um and we'll see what happens. I don't know, but um, yeah. <laughs> that's that's that's, uh, that's confidential. But um, uh, yeah, and so I always tell people, like you know, you only you only fail when you quit, because this this industry and this this life, I guess I don't know. It's like it's more about endurance and perseverance. And there's so much competition that like you're not gonna unless you're incredible, you're not gonna. No one's gonna really take notice of you. That's so true. Yeah. And so you have to like people I've maybe this is a hot take. Hot I don't know. Take. But there are people I've seen get artist jobs just from connections and just from knowing people that aren't really that good. But I've also seen people who are amazing who can't find a job, you know, and it's like you have to figure out what works for you and you, you have to keep changing your strategy and you gotta, you gotta make sacrifices. Cause like, I definitely have, like, I, I had a really good group of friends back home and I had to like leave them and start from scratch essentially. And I I'll visit them, you know, but it sucks. Like, so it's, there's a lot of things you, a lot of things you have to sacrifice and just time and energy and uh, heartache and all these things, you know, there's, there's, I'm sure you know that too. And then we'll talk about it when we, when I interview you, but like, it's, uh, it sucks. But I think that like, the grind is what makes you into a better storyteller and a better artist and a better, better creative. I agree. I think it's also funny, because I was like reading about how they select, uh, like upcoming mangakas for like Shonen Jump yeah. and like the, the magazine. And there's like a rule that like, no matter how, like, no matter what you submit to the magazine, the first thing you yeah. submit, they're going to turn it down. They're just going to be like, no, just because just because they're testing your motivation and they just want to see like, because half of the people drop that, that the idea of even doing manga when they show one thing and then it gets turned down. So I feel like animation has a little bit of that going on too, where it's like, you're going to get rejected so many times, but you, you still have to keep at it because that's the only way you can stay in the race. It's sort of a self-filtering like in mechanism. I don't know because there's so many people trying to get into this industry, and there's not that many jobs. Like I wish that there were, you know, shitloads of anime uh, cartoons and whatever being made so that we all could have jobs. And but that's just not the case. And so the competition is incredibly serious and like even just in the city there's a lot of competition for the same jobs and so then people that are coming from outside they are looking for an edge and it's like you got to be here like maybe now honestly it'll change because now there's more access to remote uh working and i hope that studios open up to that more because there's a lot of whoops 
Hello? I'm, I lost you. I lost you. Where are you? Let me... One, two, three. Okay, you were saying like there's a lot, like the competition here in LA is already like really, really tough. Uh, yeah, so the competition in LA is like hard enough. And then if you consider everyone that's trying to also get in from like, you know, outside LA, it's, it's insane. And so like, people have to find ways to stand out. You, you can't assume just because you can draw that that's enough. And like, there's always somebody better than you. There's always somebody that's doing something more interesting than you. And so you, you have to stand out. You have to constantly put out work. You have to have projects that people can get excited about. It's not enough to just draw like OCs. Like, I'm sorry. It's not enough to draw OCs. <laughs> I, I hate to, like everyone out there who's just drawing OCs in the same white background, you're not going to get a job. I'm sorry. Because like, no one's going to want to hire somebody who draws the same character in three quarters view. You know, like, I, I see what you're getting at. I feel like it's a, uh, I, I, I see like why you would have like such a strong take on it. Cause then that it makes it like super clear. Yes. I, I feel like if you're, uh, I'm split with the idea of OCs because OCs are a great way to show that you're dedicated to an idea and to characters. Uh, yeah. And, and also to show that you're, invested in storytelling uh but that's the thing it's like that's that's not what i'm talking about i think that when somebody has an, an uh character or whatever and they flesh it out and they do comics and they do something with it beyond just drawing the same character over and over again then i you can see the potential as somebody who's had to do like hiring before for a, a project for my short and for other things i'm looking for people that have flexibility and people that have more than just one character and especially people that have more than just one style or more than just one thing that they do and that's what i'm talking about because i think that having your own projects is great i encourage that emphatically but having just one or two characters that you draw over and over again that's just not going to give you a job like it's just not I, I yeah i see what you're saying like i agree with that like you need a more fleshed out cast and also see like a variety of posing yeah. and situation. Well, because and... yeah, you want to be good at acting. You want to be good at drawing strong, yeah, strong posing. You got to be able to show emotion in your characters. You got to be able to show them interacting with other characters. You got to be able to draw layouts and backgrounds because no matter like, even if you want to do storyboards, you have to know how to do all of these things, especially for storyboards. You got to know every facet of, of drawing. You got to have character design, you got to have prop design, you got to have layout, you got to have yeah. storytelling, uh, acting. And so the people who only do one character design or only focus in on one OC, it's like, dude, I'm sorry, you gotta, you gotta like try different things. It's not enough. I really, I always tell people that ask me for advice, like I'm trying to like break in, how do I break in? And it's the same thing. It's like, start a web comic, like start a web comic, just post like uh, do it in a way that you know you can reliably upload it or update it every week or twice a week or whatever like just but have a rigid schedule that you do not break and after like six months you're going to be a different artist like you're going to be so much better and i've done this method several times and i've like you know encouraged other people to try it and by the end of it, they're always like, yeah, I'm a much better artist than I was when I started. And they usually have more followers and they usually have more attention and they sometimes land a job from it, you know, but it's like, 
but you got to get you got to get people excited about who you are and what you can offer because if you if you don't do that then like you're not standing out at all there's yeah it's crazy about that like idea that you just threw out because it's very true and i realized to myself a, a lot of the good opportunities that i got were through the comics that i drew and posted on absolutely so I, i i really agree with that i feel like making comics is is the best way because it's like you can show that you can tell a story and that you can draw the characters and that it's like a sequential art and that you're consistent yeah it's very like if you're able to draw a comic i feel like as a potential employer you're like all right like there's something definitely here that i can rely on yeah yeah, yeah. cuz i see a lot of people doing uh like board portfolios and that's not a bad thing but i i think i usually gain a lot more from somebody's storytelling ability just from their comics because board portfolios end up feeling kind of stiff sometimes and it's also really hard to engage in a storyboard with like somebody's original characters without having ever known who they are i don't know i just i've looked at a lot of board portfolios and i'm like well okay but like what's your voice like what's what do you what do you do that's interesting and but then i'll look at people's just like comics on twitter and i'm like oh this person can board like sometimes it's just like a funny four panel comic and i can already tell that they would do a great job boarding a whole show you know it's like somebody like like ryan peckwin who did three word phrase it's like those are really silly stupid comics but he got hired to work on regular show and he now i think he's a director on uh something i forgot what but you just got to you got to put your voice out there you got to put your voice out there and w- relying on a on a well polished portfolio website is not enough like it's just not enough and it's good to have and you should have it but having a project and having a voice and having a presence on twitter instagram whatever like that'll get you much much farther yeah i ver- i agree with that a lot i feel like social media is there it's extremely important at least in the us in in france it's like a different story but yeah. at least in the us being very active on social media and putting your name out there is very important yeah i'll ask you about that uh when i interview you cuz that i'm interested in the the difference between the two but um right. but anyway so what happened is that yeah i got my job at uh nickelodeon and then um uh, loud house And then like 2 months later they started doing um another round of shorts and I uh pitched a pitch plan of panic again and I had a board like all ready to go for it and um then they uh I actually pitched twice because they gave me some feedback and I was like I'm not going to take chances <laughs> and so I uh I pitched again and I got the short I was so nervous for like a month and so anxious and just like i don't think it's i'm going to get it this, like this isn't it i got so used to failure but yeah how many times in total did you pitch planet panic before it got picked up as a short it's really hard to count because it's like it's it's i pitched it to different degrees and so many different iterations uh going back to like when i was in college there was a a guy who works at cartoon network uh, his name's conrad montgomery he's a great guy and he he used to come to our school and just give presentations about wherever he was working at the time and i pitched a version of it back then in like 2008 or something you know like it's been i've had it for that long oh, wow. it was different it was basically just zeus guy and pebbles but like even they even they were different um 
And then uh, throughout the years, I pitched it to him a few times. I pitched it to Frederator in a completely different iteration. I pitched it to Cartoon Network. I pitched to Nickelodeon before. But looking back at every single one of those, it's like, yeah, that wasn't going to happen. Like that, it wasn't going to happen then because it wasn't ready. And even the condition that it's in now is better than it's ever been. And so it's a process and you can't be so, I guess, arrogant is to think that like, just because you finished a pitch Bible that it's going to be good enough for a network to pour tons of money into it, you know? And it's like, I've had to learn that. And it's something that I think everyone goes through, but it's like, you think just by having an idea or just by pitching it or whatever that like studios are going to throw all this money at you. And it's like, nah, man, they see hundreds of these things a week. And you have to keep trying, keep changing it, keep updating it, keep making it better. Have other ideas. Don't, again, don't just have one idea. That goes back to the OC thing. You got to have more than one idea. And that's what I did. Like, I had other ideas. I would pitch different things. Right. I really don't like what I'm drawing here. I'm gonna... <laughs> uh, I, didn't like the, I didn't like the belly button. Um, it's so cute. I love it. Yeah, you're going to see it later. It's going to be gross. Oh, okay. I didn't um, see the belly button. I'll and, see it during the um, edit. Got a little suspenders. <laughs> And, uh, yeah, and so, like, uh, I had other ideas. Planet Panic was the one that I chose to pour a lot of effort into, and so I did that comic. Um, I just did it for myself. I was kind of hoping somebody would notice it, notice me, Senpai would notice me. But uh, I just did it for fun, and I wasn't banking on it being huge. But then I poured so much into it. I was doing a, uh, an animated page every week. That's a lot. And I pretty much, I, I pretty much, yeah, I never broke that schedule. I was starting to push it a little bit where I was uploading on like Tuesday instead of Monday, but, um, but I was, I was grinding for a while and it paid off, you know? And so it's like, you gotta just, you gotta do, you gotta make something to the best of your ability and you gotta do it until somebody notices you and like, and it sucks and it's exhausting. But, um, again, like, I don't think I'm that good of an artist. Like I'm not fishing for compliments. I just, I, I'm surrounded by people who are far more talented than me. But I know what I'm good at, and I think that's important, is you got to work to your strengths. And uh, my strengths are just, like, world building and making cool shows, cool, cool ideas for things. And, like, and then if I get a show, I'll just pay people more talented than me to do it, to make it look great. Because, like, uh, so, yeah, like, I got the short. They picked up the short, uh, Nickelodeon did. I think it took about two years for it to, from, from pitch to completion, and there was, a lot of it was beyond my control. It's just the bureaucracy of animation. And uh, I hired really awesome team. A lot of really talented people made it great, like I was saying, way beyond anything I could have done with it. And, uh, and then it finally, after like almost a year of me just waiting for it to drop, it finally came out and it did uh, spectacularly well. And people loved it. And then for the last two years, I've just been trying to uh, get it picked up as a show. And I can't say much more about that. <laughs> I think... But uh, it's still kicking and it's still, uh, it's just a, it's a long, painful process. And like, um, yeah, it's just, it just takes a long time. Also because there's like all the relationship that you build with all the people working on the project with you. Sometimes they, you have to build them from scratch when somebody new yeah. comes over and it, that, that'll take, like, you can't rush that at the end of the day. Um yes you so you pitched planet panic before you um got hired on loud house and you kept pitching it when you were on loud house and then it got picked up when you were on loud house 
but you didn't stay on that house. Like, yes. what were you up to after? Uh, how long did you stay on that house? Uh, and what motivated you to move on to something new? And what have you been up to? Um, well, so basically, like, I was doing background design on Loud House, and I and I liked it. We had a good group there. We had we made a lot of friends. It was fun for a while, but then you get stagnant. I was on there for four and a half years, and uh, you know, you just can't keep doing the same thing over and over again because it, it's it's a pipeline, and you just kind of get burnt out. Um, on top of that, I there's kind of a if you want to get a show made, you have to do storyboards, and I really hate that. But it's just kind of, there's kind of a bad stink if you are trying to get a show picked up and you're not a board artist. And I had a bad encounter where that's pretty much what I was told, point blank. And I, I got mad, but then I decided to get even. And so, <laughs> I, so I, I, I started sniffing around and um, trying to find board jobs. And, but I didn't want to leave. I didn't, I wanted, I, didn't, I don't, I, I kind of like didn't want to test anymore because I, it just, I feel like if somebody doesn't, can't tell what I'm already capable of doing, then like, that's probably not going to be a good fit for me. And so uh, I've been lucky enough to not have to test since, since uh, I got on Loud House. A friend of mine who was at Nick at the time, Gabe Soir, he was uh, show running Animaniacs, and still is, I guess. He kind of heard from uh, my girlfriend who was working on the show that I was interested in boarding and he reached out to me and, and asked and Long story short, basically, he gave me the job offer and like I was pretty feeling pretty burnt out. Uh, and so I was like, well, it's time for a change. And so uh, this is like August of uh, 2019. And um, plus, I was like a year away from turning 30. And so I was having this existential crisis. And I was like, I can't I got to like shake things up a little bit. <laughs> and so I just like <laughs> I like I left Nickelodeon. I went to Animaniacs. I changed my uh, wardrobe, shaved my head. Um, <laughs> I had a whole, I had a whole crisis of identity. Um, you, you started, uh, yeah, I started playing in a, in a band. Yeah. And so uh, I did that for six months. It was a little too taxing. It was just, uh, it was just not a great fit for me. And so, uh, I started kind of looking around for other jobs and, um, I don't know what you usually wear. You wear like skirts. I'm going to draw you with a skirt. <laughs> Um, with your long mermaid hair. <laughs> um, there, whatever. Feet, feet are not my thing. <laughs> um, hold on. Feet. And <laughs> first things first. <laughs> first things first. Um, and um, and so uh, what else is left? Robot bird, monster egg, stone. Okay. Um. Oh, thank you. He's, he's blushing now. Yeah, he's so cute. Uh, yeah, so I, uh, well, plus like the storyboards were wrapping up on Animaniacs, and so I, I was eager to hop off onto something else. And um, there was a new show staffing up for Revisionists uh, called Jellystone. It was a show run by Carl Greenblatt, C.H. Uh, Greenblatt, who has done like Chowder and uh, Harvey Beaks. And uh, I knew him from our overlap at Nickelodeon, and a lot of my friends were working there. And I was like, Dude, I just want to be on this crew. Like, I love this crew. I, I just like, I, I, I'll move down to revisions. I kind of wanted to anyway, because boards were clearly too difficult for me to juggle along with development and along with 
having a band and doing other things. And so I, I, I kind of had to do a little bit of soul searching for like a year or so. Um, because as much as I want to do storyboards on somebody's show, it's more important for me to maintain my own uh, projects. And if I'm not doing that, then I feel miserable. Yeah. And so like I had to f I really figure out what that priority was. So now I'm happy. Like I, I've been doing revisions and uh, I, I love the crew. I, I wish we were right now we're in a pandemic. For anybody listening to this, maybe in the future where we're not in a pandemic, someday, maybe. Um, but uh, yeah, it's, it's been shitty to not be able to come in and see the, the people I work with. But, but the job is cool and the people are great and, uh, and I have time to work on my other uh, stuff. And so like I had to so, do some development work uh, while I've been working from home and uh, the timing kind of worked out. And then... Uh, I had to do, uh, and, and now I'm, I kind of reached a point where I realized I needed to do something, something that was like my own, basically going back to when I started doing that Planet Panic webcomic, it's like, I was pretty happy when I was cranking through those pages. And so I, for the last like six months or so, I've been world building this story called Robobo. And uh, I'm hoping to launch that in a couple of weeks from today. Nice. And we'll see. Yeah, we'll see if I can keep up with it because uh, it is an animated comic, but I'm trying to find a way to make it doable like to, so that I can focus just on the story and not, you know, break my back, like drawing everything. Yeah. New. Like I'm going to try to reuse some assets here and there. Um, but uh, yeah, and so we'll see. And uh, But, you know, like I said before, like you just got to keep grinding and like I don't know what's going to happen with Planet Panic. I it's it's a gamble trying to get a show made is like winning the lottery like five times in a row uh, right yeah <laughs> but I, I i gotta just keep i gotta keep making stuff uh yeah that's sort of my story so far that's that's a really good summary of your whole journey in animation because we got to hear like you in high school in college uh job hunting and like come on so i think it would be really cool to hear you talk more about like your influences and inspiration like you were talking about how yeah. really cool is the show that drove you to go into animation yes more than any other medium yeah um i uh yeah i mean i've always been a little uh geeky kid that liked comics and animation and video games um, Fooly Cooly was definitely, it's my favorite anime of all time. It's one of my favorite things of all time. Uh, and it was, uh, it was huge for me. Like it, it was, I, it came to me at a time when I was coming of age. I was like the same age that Naota is in the, in the series. And, uh, a lot of the same sort of feelings and emotions were, uh, stirring around in me and like, and just the look of it and the animation, the specifically, like, I can, there's a, a kick that happens in episode two, and everyone that's seen it will know what I'm talking about. But Conti kicks the shit out of a robot. And, like, it was just so expressive, and it felt like something I could actually do. And that was such an important moment. I was like, I want to do that. And then there was a scene in uh, episode five where Naota calls out to Conti, and he, like, slams down behind him. That, like, blew my fucking mind. It was like so epic and rad. 
that I just straight up paid homage to it in Hyperboy. There's a scene that's just like shot for shot, exactly the same thing. <laughs> um, but then, you know, when you're 14, you're just like doing stuff and you're copying and you're learning, you're studying. I think copying is a really important part Absolutely. of learning. That's something that I try to say a lot now because that was the opposite for me. I was so scared of copying because everyone always kind of said like, never copy, but yeah. <laughs> So that's great that you were like copying this like masterpiece. Like that's so daunting when you're thinking about it. Like those shots are so crazy and you're just like, yeah, I'm going to do it. <laughs> yeah, you, you got to learn. Yeah, you want to learn how, how it's done so you can apply it. And um, I don't regret it at all. I feel like I, there's a lot of like the thing is, is I don't like Twitter. I'll just say that right now up front. I think Twitter is toxic as hell. But I think there's this weird um, notion amongst like the amateur artist community that like you can't copy art even if you don't show it like you can you it's still good to do studies and you want to try to emulate what somebody else did but if you post something you're like look i i reanimated the scene from this thing people are like wow can't believe you stole it canceled and it's like dude like like to be a young artist now sounds exhausting because you just get punished for like every thing you do and that sucks it, like it really hampers creativity whereas newgrounds when like was kind of my uh that and DeviantArt was like my two stomping grounds. It wasn't as exposed to the public because there was, it was like these closed off communities. Like everybody, everybody on Newgrounds, like it was, you would just post something, everyone, there was so much garbage on there that like, if it, that it's, you could just post stuff. And if it was good, it would get upvoted and people, it would stick around and people would give you, you know, positive feedback. If it was bad, you would get downvoted and then you feel bad. And then you want to, you want to figure yeah. out, you want to figure out what you do, what you did wrong. And, but like, that's, that was fine. Um, it, it, nobody would judge you too harshly for it. Like it would just like, uh, bad job, try again. Um, but, uh, and DeviantArt was like, that was your own little bubble. So like anybody that was following you would see what you did, but like, uh, you know, there wasn't as many strangers coming in to just like dunk on you, but maybe it's just different. I don't know. Maybe that's my old man yelling at cloud. Uh, Fully Cooley was a huge influence on me. I, I, I love video games and like, that's such a big thing for me too. And even Robobo is just as it will be seen hopefully it's kind of a big love letter to like 90s side-scrolling games and like action games it's just me trying to distill a lot of my influences from that era into something that i that is my own and it and it, i've had to i kind of had to go through the same thing where it's like am i just copying things or am i not but i realized i've been I like i reread dragon ball and i like have been just kind of trying to ingest as much of the stuff that i grew up loving and like but with a different eye you know like i'm looking at it now as an adult with taste and experience and i'm like oh this is great this is all awesome and i can see what makes it great and it's also all just those authors stealing from other things like it is exactly like dragon ball is yeah. just him stealing it's him taking shortcuts like he didn't want to draw cars the, the right way and so he just made up silly weird little bubble vehicles that we all worship now and it's, so it's just like it's okay to take the stuff you grew up with and make it your own even like indiana jones i watched that kind of for the first time recently man that's just straight up it's like the serials of like the early tw uh, 20th century but steven spielberg and george lucas were like we like those we're gonna do those and like they, they just did it and now everyone loves it and no one knows the originals you know the, the thing that they were aping because it's like 
they did it well. Like they did a good job. They made it cool and modern and like fun. Yeah, I think that's like a big part of it. Like what you're saying is that you're just adapting old stories and or ideas into newer, like more modern storytelling. Yes. Or yeah, which is something that it's that we tend to forget is like we always tell the same stories. We just tell them in the way that the modern human comprehends. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's that I think it's also a combination of like you you take the elements from a thing that you like that maybe didn't hold up as a whole. You know, like maybe there's a show or a game or an anime or whatever that had elements you really loved and you're like this is great, I love this, but it's kind of like boxed in by a lot of bullshit. And so you want to like take it and and then you take those elements and you put it in your thing. You combine it from something else. Like I'm a I love just mashing up concepts or or visuals or you know just some just different elements from things i like and trying to figure out a way to make them all fit together and even planet panic is that you know it's like it's there's a clear video game influence there is there's anime it, my goal for the show is basically like make an anime by way of a western cartoon you know so it like looks like a western cartoon but it has all the sensibilities of a shonen anime. It's basically a shonen anime. Right. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, I love that. And, yeah. Yeah, and I think a lot of people now, all, all of us millennials, we're, we're taking the stuff we grew up with and trying to filter it and bring it to a new audience, you know? And so it's like we're mashing up all the stuff we grew up with, you know, whatever it is, Dexter's Lab or Powerpuff Girls, and it's like, but we also watched... Dragon Ball Z or Sailor Moon or Tenchi Muyo. And so it's like just this weird swirling whirlwind of like concepts and ideas, but you get new stuff out of it. You get new ideas out of it. Yeah, totally. I feel like this is, I mean, that's how, always how I find ideas myself is like I yeah. grab things from completely different mediums and I'm like, what if I put them together and we'll see what happens. <laughs> Yeah, no, I think that's healthy. And I think that like, especially when you're just doodling in your sketchbook, like taking, I, I do it all the time where like, I'll see a drawing I like of somebody else's and I'll just draw, I'll just redraw it in my sketchbook because that is not for anybody else to see. I don't give a shit that it's like, tra even tracing sometimes is fine. I don't really do that anymore, but I think that it's totally a normal thing to do. Because you just want to get the shape. You want to get the language down. Right. Like the vis visual, uh, you know, how the line moves. It's, there's a lot to it that you can learn from just copying or tracing. Like I got uh, Jake Parker's most recent art book. And um, I just flipped through it. And I am like, I like the way that he draws those shapes. And I draw some robots with the same shapes. And then I keep working on it. And then eventually it becomes a different thing. But, you know, it, I had to, like, get my brain moving somehow. You got to get those juices flowing somehow. Yeah, that's really true. I feel like for me, I also got that a lot from, like, jumping around so many different shows with so many different art styles that you're... Every single show, you have to learn the new language, and and yep. then you, it's part of you, and it's part of like your new DNA, and you're you're like a new artist every time. <laughs> totally, yeah, yeah, totally. No, I think that's also a big part of it's a, a benefit of hopping around from show to show is that you like you learn different pipelines too, and you're um, I don't know. It's it's just good to not box yourself in. I think that it's good to learn different things and. Um, I, I wish that everyone had something weird that they grew up liking 
Right. And I'm always disappointed when I talk to people that their only influences are like Disney and Miyazaki movies. Cause it's like, Oh, you guys like, I like, I feel like if you're not, if you don't have some weird obscure, like Turkish animation that you're into, <laughs> you're, you're not gonna, you might not add anything new. Like you, you want to try to seek out things that are new and fresh. And I was lucky to just have, I was, I'm, uh, I was born in Ukraine and I'm, I'm, I'm a immigrant. And so like, I grew up watching a lot of Russian cartoons and like, now people have noticed a lot of them or, you know, people have kind of become aware of a lot of that stuff through YouTube. But growing up, like I was the only one who had ever seen it. And there is undeniably an influence from all of those cartoons. There is a lot of just like weird, obscure anime that I would like accidentally find on at like Blockbuster that I would rent, you know, Mm -hmm. and and, I, was, and it, I loved it and then I made it a part of who I am or some or some game like for me I love Mischief Makers a lot it's like the, it's a Nintendo 64 game that uh, not super well known uh, definitely a lot more people have seemed to have come to appreciate it lately but it's not great but I love it like it's it, I love it it's a huge influence on me it's a huge influence on this new comic Robobo. What is it about that specific game that you love is it like the art style or like the gameplay what like what yes uh, the the art style is great because it I mean it's very anime but it's very stylized it's very cute a lot of what I do is always very just like cute robots <laughs> um, but that's what Mr. Fakers is it's a cute robot girl and she the gameplay was great because it felt like playing through a weird quirky anime because you uh you like jump on missiles and you can like grab bullets in midair and throw them back and it's just like fun like it just felt so fun. Um, and the boss fights like just feel like a straight up anime fight where you're like you can like catch a dude's fist in midair and throw it back at him, which is like oh like that's such that's so great. So yeah, it's just a lot of a lot of it was like a uh, was an influence on me. And there's a lot of stuff like that, a lot of weird obscure things. And I, I guess I my point is to if if you're it's never too late to absorb things outside of what's popular or what's mainstream. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think there's so much good art out there and. Uh, movies and, and animation and whatever and like if you want to be a well-rounded artist and a creator especially like a you know if you're trying to make a, a show pitch or, or just a comic whatever try to absorb different things and like find different um and you know different mediums and different stories because like man that that stuff will it, it shapes who you are it makes you unique it makes your your work unique and like I, I was uh, tweeting recently about this game called Banja that is uh, French, and um, I just somehow found it. This is back in the wild west of the internet. I somehow found this game on a list of like flash games, and that's another game that I'm terrified is gonna go down. I have to like find a way to just like screen record <laughs> it. Um, but it's it's just so stylish, like it, the colors and the shapes. The every all the characters have these like floating heads. They have no necks. And it's just the style of it. And it's, I loved it. And like for so long, all my characters had floating heads. <laughs> That's so funny. It's, it's such a like staple of, I don't know, I wouldn't say French games, but like Rayman was definitely like that. It was, I think yeah. it was definitely influenced by making the game easier to code. Like if the head was floating, you didn't have to worry so much oh, yeah. about like, I, the puppet looking good, I guess. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, a, a neck is, is just another bone that you have to move. And so, yeah, like, uh, that's so uh, interesting. I actually wonder if you, 
I wonder if you know any of the guys that worked on that game. It was uh, C C H Man was the studio. I, I'm not very familiar with the um, game um, like sphere, like the French game sphere. So I I don't know as many people in in that area. Yeah. Some of those dudes, uh, I remember they had, what, what's crazy is that in the game, they would have advertisements for uh, motherfuckers. Oh, yeah. Which, like, I, I guess they must have just known them um, at the well, time. It was probably part of some... It movie. was also just, like, just that specific um, comic, Motherfuckers, is, like, really... Yeah. It's, it's, in the indie comic scene in France, it's extremely popular. It's like a very, oh, yeah, see. it's very big in, in France, but like in the indie sphere. So right. um, people who are into comics in France will know about it. Um, I see. And it's, uh, and also because it was tied with uh, Ankama. I, I think they're still with Ankama. Yeah, and, maybe. Uh, and Ankama got really big. I think I remember it being extremely big when I was in high school in France because uh, it, it they had uh, Doofus, which was extremely yeah, yeah. popular in France. I, I don't know if it did really well um, worldwide, but it did really well in France. And and thanks to that game, the studio managed to expand a little bit with like making comics and then making animation. That's cool. Yeah, French stuff is great. Um, it's it's that's a great uh, place to go if you want to get some like inspiration for ideas that's not the same Disney or Miyazaki or whatever. Because like there is so many French comics that are just awesome, like off the chart, so stylish and great. And like sometimes like I'll just buy a French comic and just look at it. I don't, I can't read it. But it doesn't matter because I just—it's like an art book. <laughs> um, one a uh, big a big uh, influence around like college for me was I picked up uh, Lucha Libre. Oh yeah, yeah, is that yeah. what it's called? Mm -hmm. um, and it, thankfully that one was translated. But like, man, I loved it. I loved how how it looked. That's like uh, the Catfish Deluxe dudes, I think. Right. Bill Gobi and uh, right, it's a uh, Gobi. Um, Fabian. Fabian. Fabian Mens. Fabian. Fabian. And so, uh, but yeah, you know, and so there's stuff that I'll discover even later in life that I'm like, well, I'm going to make that part of me now. <laughs> and, like, and I just, I figure out what I like about it and I try to include it in what I draw. Um, and uh, I'm trying to think of what else was like a big influence. I'm a, I love Outlaw Star. That was like one of my very earliest anime. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that because you, you memed that for the kid, I did. kid anime who you wanted to be as a kid and who you turned out to be, so... Yeah. <laughs> uh, I love Outlaw Star. I, I recognize that it's flawed, but it's just so cool. I don't care. I, it's I just haven't so even cool. seen it. I didn't even know about this uh, anime. If you, if you like 90s uh, anime, it is like mwah, chef's kiss 90s anime. It's great. <laughs> there's a cat girl. There's a samurai assassin uh, lady. There's... Uh, there's spaceships with arms that punch each other in space. Like it is fantastic. Um, and I, I've, it, it, parts of that have seeped into like everything I've done and just like the edgelord main protagonist, like his name was Gene Starwind. Like that was fucking crazy. Like I was like, there's a, there's a badass named Gene in a, in a anime. Um, 
And so you better believe I wanted to be him. Um, I wanted to like um, ask you to, since you said you're a first generation immigrant, I think that's really yes. cool. And that it would be cool for you to like, uh talk about a little bit more like for example so how old were you when you first moved to the states uh i was i was a week away from turning six mm -hmm. um and so i was i was small but uh i started basically i never went to school until i came to america and so i was um my parents my family and i moved uh, here when i was uh yeah, like almost six I got a, uh, if you want to talk about video games too, I got my first console on my birthday and it was, I mean, I only been in America for a week and there's a photo of me in front of a Kmart holding a box of a Super Nintendo <laughs> and it like came with Donkey Kong Country and I'm just like beaming. Um, and uh, and I, so I, I was like, I like moved to America, started playing video games and then started school. So it's like, it all just kind of came together. Um, and uh Yeah, and I was actually in a bilingual, like, Russian-English uh, school for the first four grades, so I... Oh, so you always had kind of, like, uh, Russian to kind of fall back on. Yes. Yeah. I, ma I maintain... I still speak it fluently as my parents, and I will, um, will uh, speak it when I'm talking to them. And so, like, I, I'm glad that I managed to keep some of that. Like, I've maintained my uh, bilingualness. Right. Um, and, uh, yeah, and I... Um, Yeah, so I went to school, and then I moved. We moved to a suburb, and I went to, you know, just a, an all-English American school. Right. Um, but by but, then, you were uh, already, like, fluent in English and, like, familiar yeah. with, like, the social and the uh, norms and, like, American. Uh, maybe. I don't know. I feel like I was always, <laughs> I always, like, feel like I was uh, kind of a little, um, like, what's the word? uh not stagnant but like I, i just always felt like i was everyone else was like in on something that i didn't get like there, right. i had to learn a lot about just like cultural things that you grew up with when you're born here that i didn't get right um, right and uh but you managed to learn them like much earlier than i did so i think that's cool because like you 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 think like when was Uh, do you feel like when you were in the Russian uh, and American school, like there, like the culture, like the Russian uh, culture, kind of like went in with the school, or was it? Did you already feel like a gap, or since you were so young, you weren't? Do you feel like it was kind of easy to fall into the the social like custom? I think um, I. We were all the Russian kids that I was going to school with. We were all desperately trying to become American kids. Right. And so like we were already all into we were all into the, the culture. Like we were watching the TV shows. We were playing the video games. We were speaking in English amongst each other. Um, and so, yeah, it wasn't it wasn't a hard transition. It's just it's always hard when you're a new kid, period. Right. Um, mm -hmm. And being the weird foreign kid is not much better you know so it's like there is a combination of things but I, i made friends i always had like one you know best friend and um and we were into pokemon that was <laughs> i remember that was the shit when i first moved to uh when we moved like pokemon was just heating up and my friend that i made was named keith and he uh he was really into pokemon and so i got really into pokemon it's that's another thing that kind of shaped who who i am and like my voice and kind of stories I tell because I feel like there's always this 
there's a few things that I've noticed as I've gotten older is that like a lot of the time when I'm writing stories, there's always like a city on the horizon. And that's because I grew up an hour away from Chicago mm-hmm. and I couldn't literally see the city on the horizon, but there's always this feeling of like, you're close to the center of something bigger, right? but, but you're, you're actually still far like, away. Yeah. A little bit remote. Yeah. That's super interesting. Yeah. So there's always been that uh, element in my work. And then like, um, just being, you know, in a small town, like I, I like the feeling of, uh, of, of growing up in a small town with a group of like weird friends that don't quite fit together. Like, I love that. Yeah. Um, Cause that's uh, how I grew up. Do you feel like uh, I'm just like riffing off that idea of like having a group of like weird friends. Do you feel yeah. like um, click, uh, clicks or like something that hmm. is more West coast slash LA or is it something that you also felt? Um, Cause you grew up in Chicago. Uh, in the yeah. area of Chicago. Did y'all also feel that in Chicago? Like, that? It's different. I think that um, it's hard to say because I didn't grow up here. I think you actually have spent more time in California than I have. But uh, I, in Chicago and in general, like the East Coast sort of vibe, um, you, you make friends and they're like your friends. Like you, you stay friends with those people for life, you know, even if you don't see them or whatever. Um, And you, there's this sort of vibe of just like giving each other shit that that's how you form those friendships Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. is that you like, you're just ribbing each other. And if you can take it, then you're part of the crew. If you can like, Mm -hmm. uh, cause you know, your friends are kidding. If you like, hopefully you can be mean to your friends and not have them get mad at you, Mm -hmm, you know? and I always have a, I, I feel like the people who grew up in California, they generally take stuff, they take offense to stuff. And maybe that's just my experiences, but like, I don't know. It's like, dude, you got to know I'm kidding, right? Like, I just, I feel like some, and you and I can like, we always give each other shit and right. we're still friends because we, we get that. Yeah. Um, some of the time it's like. Dude, are you seriously like, I, I don't know. <laughs> I know what you mean, though. I feel like it's something that's very like East Coast slash European of being more like, I don't know, tough love. Yeah. Yeah, the tough love thing. Yeah, because it's like, and if, if you ever cross the line, like, if I ever feel like I went too far, I'll apologize. And it's, it's never the stuff you think that you went too far because it's like, hey, man, I'm sorry. Was that too much? And it's like, no, it's fine. But then it turns out later on, you like said something completely <laughs> innocently and somebody is like, Remember you said that thing to me? Like that really got to me. And you're like, ah, oh, shit, dude. I didn't know. I'm sorry. But there, but then like a lot of the time it's like, yeah, you said it, but you were right. And so I had to like reassess who I am. You know, it's like that kind of thing. That's why you like, I think it's good to be, uh, to kind of poke fun at your friends because you want to like stay sharp and you you don't want to get too comfortable. And like, if you're, if you, if your friends, your friends are the only people who can be honest and who can like, tell you how it is and tell you when you're being an asshole or when you're being, you know, this or that. And so it's like, if you can't be mean to your friends, who can you be mean to? Yeah. I'd rather be, I would, I would rather, I have to be mean to someone. Um, it's like you with your, 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 how you grew up to be Kaiba. Like that's, that's how I feel. Yeah, 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 yeah. I feel like, I don't know. I feel like maybe that was like lost on some people, that Kaiba thing. Yeah. But I'm just like, hey, yeah. I mean, I'm I really want to be the nice kid, but I know that like deep inside I'm just kind of like a mean brat. <laughs> yeah, but like you know, you know what? I don't know. Like we've always got, we we'll give each other shit and we'll like bicker. 
but we've always gotten along because because of that because we like we gave each other shit and so it's like i find that easier than somebody i have to walk on eggshells around and worry about how they're gonna like yeah you know misinterpret a joke as something so i don't know right but it's different different strokes for different folks i i always find that i gel better with people from yeah either the midwest or the east coast or or europe right right, Um, right. yeah and uh and that doesn't that's not a one-size-fits-all thing but um just me personally i guess i don't know it's yeah i feel that i feel that yeah just uh yeah it's because i i i love talking about this because for me uh i i came to california twice uh once when i was a teenager Mm -hmm. and and much later when i was like a young adult so i mean you could argue i'm still a young adult um maybe maybe (laughs) but yeah like the, the cultural difference is like so interesting and i think that's important to talk about for people who want to come to LA for animation because it is something to be mindful of like the, the culture, the West Coast culture, I, I think. Uh, yeah. Yeah. You can definitely uh, make some enemies real fast if you're not, if you're not careful and uh, it's just sucks. Even just like, not, not with that, not going as far as like saying making enemies, but just like in the way right, like right. approaching people and, and, like also not taking things personally. Like if, if I don't know, there's like a couple of customs that I think are funny here. Like people are like, oh yeah, let's get lunch. And then you never hear from oh, them. Oh yeah. What happened? No, it's just how it is here. <laughs> yeah. It's just something you say. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, the what's, what's kind of crazy is the, the like work life overlap that happens here that doesn't happen like almost anywhere else maybe in some industry i think entertainment in general that that always happens but uh it's like you're friends with the people that you're working with and you end up seeing each other like you're gonna end up working together with people sometimes people you don't like sometimes people that don't like you and uh you don't have a choice but to like be friends with these people sometimes or at least be like cordial and uh, right. and it's different. I think that a lot of jobs, it's like, who gives a shit if somebody's an asshole to you at, in your office job? You don't have to deal with them anymore. You don't. You, you go home and like that's it. Right. That's, right. Work is work, and and life is life. Um, yeah. Whereas here, it's like, oh, like you you really have like in animation, you really have to cultivate all those relationships because everyone knows each other, and you want to make sure yeah, that yeah, like, yeah, yeah you're you're a nice person <laughs> which is good to do yeah, anyway exactly <laughs> um, yeah that's that's a good thing to do anyway but people have different interpretations of what that means sometimes and that's what i'm talking about because it's like right. uh you know some people ju- i just rub some people the wrong way because i you know maybe maybe i like said something to them again thinking i it was clearly a joke and they clearly didn't get it and then they are just like they hate me for the rest of uh us knowing each other and it's like dude i don't know man like I said the same joke to this person and then now we're best friends. And so it's like, I don't know what to tell you. Like, <laughs> but yeah, that'll, that'll just, that'll just happen. And what can you do? Um, yeah. That's just being human, I guess. Just being um, human. I think that's why LA is also really interesting though. Like there is definitely like this overarching culture, but there is also like this melting pot of like everyone coming from all across the planet and all these 
or even all across the US and all of these different like uh, background of like path of life and everything, which is a big reason why I yeah. wanted to do the podcast was because I also wanted to interview people with like a lot of like different backgrounds, people who went to like different schools or didn't go to school that uh, grew up in the US or didn't grow up in the US. And because everyone, like all of all of these people are working in animation in LA. So I think that's really interesting. Yeah, well, that's a good segue. Um, so um, yeah, is there anything else you wanted to ask me or should we? Uh, like, because I think we covered, do you want to go a little bit, in, uh, do you want to keep talking about like personal life a little bit more? Like we talked about Planet Panic and your personal projects, but I was also yeah. thinking, do you want to, like one of the other things that I wrote down is philosophies slash art and life balance. Do you want to talk about that or do you feel like you kind of covered it through everything we said? No, I have a, I have a few things I can say. Mm -hmm. um, I think, I think that like, there's sort of a, a shift that I think needs to happen is when you're trying to get a job, when you, if you want to get a job in animation, you kind of have to make that your whole life. Um, I think that you have to grind pretty hard. You have to work hard because no one's going to, no one, no one's going to guarantee you a job. And so you have to work pretty hard. You, it's good to take breaks. It's good to not completely burn out. But especially when you're young, when you're like in your early 20s or even mid 20s, like you'll bounce back. Like you got to just work hard. You got to draw. You got to get better. You got to make stuff because uh, it only gets harder when you're older to keep up that kind of productivity. Plus stuff just gets in the way. Like if you get a family, whatever, just friendships like college and post-college is the best time to just grind because you probably will fall behind if you don't. Um, That's kind of true. Yeah, it's never too late. It's not to discourage anyone, but it's like you. There's a golden moment um, where you can do a lot and not get too tired, and that's when you should do it. And then you'll your future self will thank you because I am glad that early twenties Gene and mid twenties Gene was busting his ass because now I am like stable and secure and like doing all right. There's thing. There's things I still want to accomplish, but like I, I'm glad that I worked harder then so that I can kind of like relax a little bit now. Yeah. Um, uh, but also I think uh, past a certain point, once you sort of have managed to secure that, that job or that career, or whatever, I think that it's important to like be able to separate work from life. Uh, that was something that I immediately, I, I was kind of seeing friends go through this right away when I started on, uh, on Loud House. And I was like, I don't want that to be me. And I'm so I was like, I'm gonna uh, not draw at all when I come home. Mm -hmm. um, I tried my best to like, if I wanted to get some extra stuff done, I would either do it at work or I would just stay later. Like personal projects, I would just try to do them then, uh, or save it for the weekend where it's like a kind of a different shift in thinking. But like, when you're drawing all day for a living, it you want to come home and not draw. Like it's just. It, you want to, you got to take time. And that's, again, going back to the previous conversation, it's like you want to still keep living your life. You want to absorb life experiences. You want to travel. Like I started traveling a lot more and it's been great. Uh, not can't right now. But, <laughs> but like I went to Japan twice in the last two years and it was amazing. Like, it, and uh, it was so inspiring. And then like we went to Hawaii, which I've always wanted to do. We went to New York. So it's like, and, and I'm a better person for that you know 
Whereas if I was just sitting in my desk drawing day in, day out, get burnt out very fast. And I was seeing people go through those burnouts and that's like, ah, I don't want to do it. It still happened to me. I still got pretty burnt out, but it probably would have happened much faster if I wasn't pacing myself a little bit more. Right. Yeah, I agree. Um, uh, Yeah. Cool. That's probably all I got. I like that a lot. So how would you summarize it in one punchline? I just came up with that. One punch! (laughs) One punchline. One punchline. Work hard, play hard. (laughs) Play hard. I don't know. Um, Work hard, work hard. Then play hard. Yeah. <laughs> you, have to, you have to work hard twice, and then you can play hard. Work hard I don't when you're a little baby. Play hard when yes. you're an adult. <laughs> when you're, an, when you're a, a big, strong adult. I think that uh, when you're a, a big, tired adult. Um, I think that like giving any advice is always hard, because people are going to take it and apply it to them and get mad, and it's like... Yeah, but it's like, okay, this is like, okay, we'll come up with a jingle and make it sound really goofy and stupid, so people know not to take it too seriously. I like it. Okay, right. Like, it. I don't so, know. Like, the baby. when you're a baby, you gotta work hard. <laughs> when you're old, you're tired and need a nap. That's the jingle. <laughs> yep. That's the punchline for today's episode. Um, I thought that was really great. Like, I wanna, I'm just gonna like recap really fast. Uh, I, I really like hearing about like you growing up in. Uh, in the U.S., like immigrating mm-hmm. from Ukraine, and then also your career from college, and like how you kept all of those like side gigs going, and kept posting online, and how for those two years, I think it's really important for me to highlight that you spent two years um, looking for a job for like an in-house job because um, I think a lot of people tend to get like really what's the word uh discouraged when they don't get a job right away but like you're a successful artist now and you had to go through those two years oh yeah and um and also hearing you pitch client panic again and again and again before it got picked up as a short and and even as a short having so many views so much fan art it's still like something that you have to be patient about and keep working on so I think like the biggest takeaway, at least for me and hopefully for people who are listening is that like, yeah, like never give up and keep trying and, and, um, just, um, dream big, (laughs) dream big. Don't give up. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. You only fail when you quit. Um, (laughs) so yeah, next, uh, next time we do this, uh, I'm going to be interviewing you um we're gonna find out about your origin story your tragic backstory um <laughs> and uh what you're up to now and uh also yeah i i really liked uh getting all the people the people on twitter to uh give us prompts i thought that was it, it turned yeah, out really great because we had <laughs> yeah, a bunch a... of prompts that kept us drawing throughout the whole thing so that was i did, I, I don't like coming up with stuff and so that was nice it was just yeah like, okay. that was so great uh, we definitely did have a couple of like technical difficulties, but we ran through them. And I feel like for the second part of the pilot, it will be much smoother. So yeah. well, this is really exciting. Um, cool. All right. Thanks, V. Thanks, Gene. And I'm excited for part two. All right. That was the creative block. That was the creative block. Bye. Bye.
Uh, okay, how big? 